This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Uh, a quick apology to start. I'm recording this in a different location to normal, so the sound may be a little different to usual. But let's get started. The purpose of this episode is to give you some insight into professional development so you understand what value it has in your PR career, what opportunities there are out there, and how professional development can benefit you. I'm joined by Rachel King and Maya Ivanovich, who are co-chairs of the Public Relations Institute of Australia Young Guns Committee. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) I'll get into the Young Guns Committee and PRIA in more detail shortly, but Maya, you've been in PR for about five or so years and Rachel for a couple of years, longer if I'm, if I'm correct. And a quick scan of your LinkedIn profiles shows me that in addition to your degrees and your employment, both of you have done um, a number of courses on the side of that. Can you talk me through some of the courses that you have done? Um, so for me, it's been a number of different um, courses over the last few years, some formal, some um, more informal Um, A lot of the stuff is really focused around training, so upskilling or elevating existing skills. Um, I also work in a specialty area in PR, so I work in health. So I've done a bit of training and courses that really focus on, um, you know, enhancing my skills and understanding of the space that I work in. Um, And then in addition to that, I've done a few leadership courses and... um, you know, courses around ethics and trends. Um, Rachel and I were speaking before about uh, some training I did with Mindframe around communicating around mental health because that's a, a, an area of interest for me. So just making sure that my skills are, um, you know, best practice um, in a number of different ways in terms of what's sort of the latest and greatest, but also just being sensitive and ethical. Mm. And what about you, Rachel? Yeah, so I've also completed quite a few different types of courses or workshops, both formal and informal. So I actually recently, just earlier this year, completed a Diploma of Leadership and Management. So that was a more formal course. And who was that through? I did that through TAFE, actually. Right. So yeah, and it was it was on the side part-time while working full-time. Mm-hmm. So that was 12 months, quite intense, but definitely worth it. And I've also done a lot of other courses on social media through to public speaking, pitching, presenting, uh, and writing as well. So Mm, it's a lot in there. And were these courses things that the two of you identified as personal things you wanted to get stronger at or know more about, or were some of them courses that your workplaces recommended that people in the team did? How did they come about? It was a mix for me. Um, some things I wanted to learn more about specifically leadership skills just as I kind of continue on my own um, career journey Uh, but then some of them especially those specialist courses I was talking about came from uh, my team so I did a a course around the Medicines Australia Code of Conduct uh, which is a framework that we work under with the University of Tasmania so that was definitely something that was recommended by my team just to make sure I had that that knowledge. Mm. And Rachel, you're in a similar position. Some of your choice, some were recommended as a as yeah, your yeah. That's that's right. I, I think it's a real combination. So, I think it's you know I've definitely been guided by the people around me. Uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of the courses I've done, I've been super proactive about. Found myself thought, hey, that's an area where I can improve, and I've just gone out and done it. Mm. I think word of mouth is a big one for it because I know often just speaking to your network you do hear about 
um, great courses or great opportunities people have taken up and then you think oh that might be relevant to me too and I guess that's one of the questions is is how do you find a course because I'm sure there's lots of courses out there for example that um, give you a better understanding of social media management or SEO or or managing difficult people how have the two of you identified courses obviously some of them have been word of mouth do you do research what do you look for when you're trying to identify a course that you think would be a good fit I'm a big researcher. I love uh, doing my Google and checking the reviews. So that's really important. But I think, yeah, word of mouth is a, is a big one. And then I think it's also just uh, evaluating some of the other factors. Like obviously there are fin- maybe financial barriers or, um, you know, areas of interest. Um, so just thinking about those, I think, is important when you're choosing. Mm. And Rachel, from your perspective, how much attention do you think you should do uh, put on doing courses that are relevant to you now doing whatever job you happen to be employed in versus preparing yourself for the future and whether that's the future in whatever company you may be employed in or the next role which may be elsewhere there's a lot of factors to consider i think you need to be in both minds you need to be thinking about the now and the future so you need to think about okay where am i at now where do i want to be in three months where do i want to be in 12 months but then thinking longer term what's going to benefit me in three years from now you know what does that look like and how can this course help me to achieve that goal or is this this other course actually a better option and thinking about it longer term I think can set you up better for the future mm, and I think it doesn't matter what career you're in that self-reflection of being able to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and be able to own that and be comfortable with that and go right I am you know and I've said this before I am super super organized I'm very strategy driven you know all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed but um, there's other areas of PR that I'm not as strong at. So it's about balancing those and working to your strengths and be able to identify those weaknesses or the areas you just have less experience in and going, right, well, how can I become a stronger candidate both for my current employer and for my next employer? That's right, yeah. It's, it's, it's your own self-awareness. Yeah, You know, being absolutely. aware and vulnerable to admit, you know, what is your weakness? Mm. You know, what is your strength? And knowing those things and then going out there to improve on those weaknesses and be the best version of yourself mm. I agree with and that. do you find the courses you've done to have been very valuable some of them moderately valuable you know how do you because if you're investing this time like you said Rachel you did one that kind of went over a whole, a whole year um, you want to make sure you're getting something back from it so um, how, how valuable have the courses been that you've done the ones I've done have been really valuable there's always some that you Uh, get a little bit more out of perhaps you just related more to the the person that was teaching the course Uh, but I think the other thing is actually using what you learn in reality and actually practicing what you learn because if it's it's no good going to a course learning all this content and then not ever using it because you know it's a bit it's like muscle reflex right so you have to practice it use it and then you'll build on that skill and get better and better so Mm. I think it's comes back to using what you learn uh and then you know also I don't know what I'm saying now no no I think you know and I think that is such a good point in that um you can maybe get caught in this trap or or feel like I should just do as much as I can as many courses as I can and like you said that's Mm. it's all good and well but you don't actually need to do SEO for your role and you're not gonna have to do it until maybe your next role and who knows when that's going to be so it's something that you learn and then if you're not practicing it it's 
uh, yeah, you've, so sure you've got 25 different courses and different things on your CV, mm. but how valuable are they in reality? So I think that's a really that's a really good point. Yeah, it's like the inherent value of the course and then driving value for yourself. Because just to use the SEO example you were just speaking about, yeah, maybe you don't need to use SEO in your work, but you could create a new opportunity from yeah. having that knowledge. But you'll never know if you don't apply it and drive that value for yourself. Yeah. And that's the choice you have to make to actually use it and yes. give it a go. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Look, it's so easy to get consumed by a job and to feel like you just don't have time to do professional development. Do you, A, feel like it's something you, everybody should be making time for, doesn't matter where they are in their career? And if that is the case, that's my dog going a bit ballistic. Um, do you set yourself an annual professional development goal? Like I would like to, by the end of the year, do two courses or three courses or? I think PR is a, it's a very fast paced industry. It's high pressured. It's also nonstop. It can be sort of 24 seven, you know, media landscape, social media. And I think it is easy to get caught up in the day to day, doing what you're doing, you know, in the office for, for your clients or your brand. And I think it's important to take that step back and think about, okay, what do I want to achieve for me and my career and how am I improving my professional development? What am I doing? Uh, so I think people need to take the time to do that. I think it's really important to do things for your own professional development and making that time. I know it's easier said than done, but I think it's working out your priorities and then making it happen. Mm. What do you feel, Maya? I think it's important to make time for, and it's certainly something I do. sounds like something Rachel does as well. Um, But you don't want it to be a chore either. Uh, If you're not invested in it, just going back to that point around value that we were speaking about, it's just not going to be there if you're not interested. But um, I definitely agree. PR is always evolving. I feel like we're we're people who wear many hats. Um, So there is is an element in there where you do need to keep up with um, the latest skills and best practice and just make sure you're across all of the new tech and opportunities that are coming up. Um, for me, like I do set some professional development goals. They're not as, um, you know, quantitative as that. Like I want to do X amount of courses. They're more focused on what I want to gain. And again, just that value piece. What, what is it that I want to learn? Um, what kind of consultant do I want to be? Um, after I complete something like this, how do I want that to inform my day to day or my management style or something like that? Mm. With the the goal setting, I yeah I don't have so much a annual goal, but I often review what I'm doing on you know weekly, monthly, quarterly basis and work out hey what have I got in the works? What am I doing next? Uh, oh I, I'm actually not doing anything. Let's let's find something I'm passionate about and let's get something going. Um, have either of you had a competitive lens in it and looked at it and gone, mm, there's someone in my team or or a friend of mine that works at a different agency or you know in-house a different company and thought they've got some skills that I don't have so I want to I want to lift mine to to match those. I guess so indirectly. I don't think I've ever been that conscious about it. But when you say that, someone once told me very early in my career that one of the best things you can do for yourself, especially in an agency, is be viewed as an expert for something. Um, And then if every member of your team has a specific Mm skill set or expertise, then together you you make more of a formidable force. I couldn't agree more. And I've spoken on this podcast before, uh, especially when you are starting out and you're a grad. um, 
even if you're an expert in PowerPoint and you're the go-to person in PowerPoint or you listen to podcasts, you know, all the podcast opportunities out there or whatever it may be, I, I think that is a really valid point and something people should really think about because if we've all got different skill sets we're all good at different things but together we can make a really strong team you just have to be able to identify what the value you can add to your team or to your company and yeah definitely i agree that. with that microsoft office suite <laughs> sounds like something you shouldn't everyone's sort of an expert in in some way but the amount of questions in our office about yeah, how to do something on microsoft word is ridiculous <laughs> every day so aside from doing courses for those prs who are first starting out what other professional development opportunities should you be open to thinking about yeah, there's so many opportunities out there beyond courses. So, uh, you know, you could look at mentoring programs, networking events. Networking is really valuable and can be absolutely amazing for your development. It can and feel really connection. daunting going into a networking event. You know, there's a um, there's obviously a number of them all over the world. I mean, not a number of them, gazillions of them. Um, and yeah. certainly, you know, you can, there's ones in Australia, um, I think Business Chicks, which is a forum, and they have... Uh, female speakers from Australia and you know had some brilliant ones I think um uh Sarah Jessica Parker and maybe Reese Witherspoon so you know there's been some really good ones that have come over from overseas and when you go to those events it can be very daunting because you might be the only one there or you might have one buddy um how do you make the most of those events while you're there rather than just kind of sit there listen to it and then leave it can be daunting especially if it's your first networking event or you're not a particularly outgoing person I think it's actually really great it's probably the best thing for you because it's a forced situation where you're in a social environment where you've got all these people around and it, it forces you to get to know people it, it's the best opportunity for growth for you and mm. it might make you feel more comfortable for next time so I think it's just about putting yourself out there being open to conversations and people that approach you and ask you about yourself and you know make sure the conversation's two-way and and try to see what value you know the relationship could have mm. definitely I think um with networking events the thing I always like to remember I feel like I'm quite well practiced now you know I've been to a few but especially in, when I first started attending them I always try to remember that everybody's here for the same reason like you're not alone in wanting to have a conversation with someone or make a valuable connection or ask questions um, so when you think of it that way it makes you feel like you already have um, a, a, something in common with the people who are at the event so that's just something to keep in mind. I do know some people come armed to networking events with like three key questions or they have their own like almost bingo list of who they want to <laughs> meet or what they want to find yeah. out from people. So if that works, yeah. it works. But um, I think, yeah, just remember that everybody is kind of there for the same reason. And you, sh and you should be able to identify people that, you know, if you're there on your own, you'll be able to see people standing there making a coffee, kind of staring around. Who are Focus, also alone. Yeah, yeah, so start with them. You know, they'll, I'm sure, be pleased to have somebody to talk to. And, um, you know, there's things that can come from it in terms of just general connections that are good in the industry if you need a favour or um, – you need a product from a goodie bag, you know, down the track and someone represents a sponsorships beauty and... brand or sponsorships, you know, mm -hmm. um, to job networking as well. If you really connect with someone, you may just end up having a professional email relationship with them for, for a year or two and then you're looking for a job one time, you know. So there's all those kind of looser things that come from it. I always try and um, go, right, you know, I'm going to 
walk away with having five connections today. And not all of them are going to be valuable long-term connections, but at least I can go, I've met these five people and I've put myself out there because I certainly am one of those people that falls into the category of, I'm just happy to sit here and observe. Um, but then you're not networking, you're just attending an event and you're not really getting anything from it. So for me, I've got to go, right, you've met three, you only have to do two more. Yeah. And then, you know, at least you can feel like there might be something that's come from this. No, I yeah, get I love it. That. And I think LinkedIn is such a valuable tool. Mm-hmm. Like w- when you meet people in an event, it one of my biggest tips, and I often have to remind myself of this, is active listening. It's not enough to just sit and be quiet and listen. Participate in the conversation, even in small ways, to show that you're really understanding what somebody is saying. And I think one of the best ways after a networking event to do that is to send a quick message on LinkedIn and just be like, hey, it was great to meet you. Um, I love talking to you about whatever it may have been and just kind of close the loop in that way. Um, and I think just to the speaking about LinkedIn to the question that you asked before about professional development opportunities for people who are just kind of starting out. I think there are a number of opportunities on LinkedIn where people can just kind of be a bit more proactive and, um, do things independently. Uh, LinkedIn articles and writing them, I think is a great way to hone your skills, to start thinking about some sort of thought leadership um, and to build that network in a virtual online way, which we know right now is super important. So just thinking about the platforms and tools that are kind of easily accessible to you day to day and how you might use them. Mm, Because you don't have to be um, and you don't have to think, well, I've only been in PR for three years, so what on earth have I got to write about? Well, you've been in PR for three years. Some people have been in PR for two months. So what you have experienced is invaluable to those people. So you, you don't have to gear it towards it being read and appreciated by people that have been in the industry for 30 years. It's writing something that will be a valuable of value to somebody else. Definitely. And I think as PRs, we kind of know better than anyone that there's an audience for everything. So even if you are that person with a month or two months experience, other interns or other new grads or um, early careers might want to hear about your experience. So just never underestimate that. The fact that it may have taken you a year to secure your internship and the process of doing that and the trials and tribulations and, you know, those kind of things, people can relate to it. And they think, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I experienced the same thing or wow, that was so different to my experience. It's interesting from that perspective. And those stories might actually inspire someone um, to, you know, be more proactive or to try something different to get somewhere new. Mm. And I think LinkedIn is really great for building that credibility, starting to build your profile as an expert as Maya was speaking about. And also it's about creating your own personal brand. So it's about creating who you are, what you're about, what you represent and your values. And I think it's good to start building that personal brand at the very start of your career. Mm. You touched on um, mentors before, Rachel. Have either of you had formal or informal mentors in your careers to date? I, I haven't actually had a formal mentor, but I actually have... Uh, a bunch of informal mentors that I've over the years just sort of got to know our relationships have formed very naturally and now it's a very two-way street I can turn around and ask them absolutely anything and they know me very well personally and my values to you know give me something back that's exactly the right trick that I need Mm. so and in your experience, how have you utilised? I mean, you've talked about, you know, asking questions and stuff, but in terms of specifics, this is more about being given a task at work, at work and thinking, I really don't know how to go about to do this properly. Or is it more about 
broader approach to PR? What kind of what kind of things have you asked of them? So in my experiences with my mentors, it's usually a broader scenario. So for example, uh, performance management or leading teams or uh, public speaking or pitching tactics. So it's usually something broader rather than a specific task mm-hmm. uh, of writing or completing. That didn't yeah. sound very, very no, no, well. No, absolutely. <laughs> and Maya, what's your experience been with mentors? Um, so I feel like I've kind of done it all in that sense. I've, I've been um, a mentor. Um, I've also been um, mentored in both an informal and formal way. Um, the in in terms of the more formal one um my agency actually brought in an external mentor for each of us just to make sure that we had that kind of additional perspective external perspective um but where i find the most value like rachel is just those natural relationships that are formed and in my case a lot of that has been well my Priya New South Wales Young Guns team. I feel like we all kind of mentor and help each other in different ways. But then also my directors, I've been very fortunate from day dot to have um, really great role models and people who have helped to mentor me on my career journey. Do you think it's important to look for people that can inspire you and motivate you in a mentor kind of capacity, whether it's informal or formal? Definitely. I think everyone should have at least one mentor. So if you don't have one, I think you should look at who's in your network that you already know and already have some rapport with. Otherwise, I think you should be a little bit more proactive and and try and find a mentor. And how do you define what a mentor because obviously a mentor is very different for each person. You've got different needs and wants from them. What are the kind of things you should be thinking about when you're trying to work out who would be the best fit for you? I think for me, it's just thinking about the journey and pathway that you want to go on and trying to to find people that you can kind of learn from so you can not follow the same pathway, but maybe something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's, I don't know what I'm saying now, but yeah, that's really... No, and I think what you, it comes down to respect, doesn't it? You look at their whether where, what they've achieved in their career um, and how they conduct themselves. And generally, I think it comes from a place of respect and admiration about what they have achieved and how they've achieved it Um, maybe they've worked in a company that you aspire to work in maybe they've had a really great catalogue of of personal and professional experience that you can relate to or you aspire to so I think it's about um, working out what you need you know I perhaps don't need someone that's going to be a huge motivator because I maybe I'm highly motivated myself but I'm not really sure on my kind of ambitious drive and, and how to frame that and how to, you know, so it's, I think you need to look into yourself first and work out what it is that you need. Definitely. And I think it's, you're right. It's not just professional. It can be personal skills as well. Um, I, I, I don't think that you necessarily have to find someone who's in PR and learn PR skills. For example, you can speak to anybody because so many of the skills that we use day to day when you, don't think very tactically are um transferable yeah so it's important to think that way and then i really um i really agree with the point that you made earlier about um how mentorship is different from person to person i know at uh the pria we've been talking very recently about what mentorships look like and um what sort of how they're going to deliver value for different people and we've been speaking more about sponsorships or championing somebody where you don't necessarily have that 
rigid hour on this on this week every month um, to talk about something it's more about who knows you who do um, and who do you know and who's going to be able to bring your name up when an opportunity comes up Um, so just maybe thinking of it in that way a little bit as well where it's appropriate Mm. I actually have a mentor who's completely out of the PR industry from a previous job many years ago and she is now actually leading a huge global company and amazing it's so inspiring to see i i love having someone outside the industry to go to for that broader broader stuff like leadership and management and um public speaking as well yeah. i think it's absolutely great to have someone outside of the industry and as even well things like job promotions i mean we all have the same feeling when you work in pr or tech or whatever we all start thinking at some point I really feel like I should have been looked at for that promotion or what do I need to do to put myself in the best light for that promotion? And you don't, you don't have to be in PR to have some interesting perspective or to have some advice and tips of doing that. So, um, and sometimes it's possibly better to get that outside perspective where, you know, if everyone's in PR, we all share a very similar view on how you go about things to have that, you know, alternative approach, um, I think can be really valuable. Going back to mentors, I think I think a great mentor is someone that inspires you, someone that opens your mind and really encourages you to step out of your comfort zone. So you want someone that is going to challenge you as mm-hmm. well. And you can have different mentors for different reasons, just like we have clothes for different seasons. So <laughs> I think... Good analogy. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's very re- relevant. I think you know, think about what areas you want to improve and try to find a mentor for each area. Mm. I think that vulnerability is important. You want somebody who's going to give you constructive feedback or criticism that's obviously delivered sensitively. You don't want someone barking at you, but um, just that whole piece that we were talking about earlier around just being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses and feeling vulnerable and comfortable with someone enough to discuss those and then to try to take the next step either way to elevate that. Mm. I think it's good to have someone that really does, as you were saying, understand you and get where you are and where you want to be. But I also think it's good to have someone that's completely different. Yeah, totally. To challenge you more and get you to think differently because if you have someone too similar to you you're not going to get as much of that fresh thinking so I think if you can get someone quite different to you even personality wise it'll really challenge you and it'll bring out the best version Mm. of yourself yeah great yeah and just back on transferable skills real quickly I think one of the things mentors can be great for is just answering the difficult questions I feel like in PR and I guess in any industry really you get to get to work you do your job and you kind of learn things on the job by osmosis with your teammates you do your professional um, development or training courses but there are some things people you don't you don't necessarily learn in that format like how to negotiate your salary or how to ask for a promotion and i think yeah a mentor um can help you with questions like that Mm, i agree questions yeah Yeah. very tough (laughs) are there any other professional development opportunities you should be thinking about well we're coming to the end of 2020 which has been a very interesting year but with the end of year comes some time to slow down take a bit of a breather and I think it's a really great opportunity to think about 
what you want to achieve in the next year. What are your professional development goals? And maybe take New Year's resolutions to the next level and actually make one that you'll stick to. I think this year's been interesting for everyone and a lot of people have you know, been reassessing where they're at in their career, what they want to be doing, and maybe they've been just a bit too busy this year, uh, flat out, some people, some others maybe not. Uh, but the ones that have been busy, I think this is going to be a good time to slow down and think about it. Mm, yeah. I read somewhere that um, if you write down a goal, you're 42% more likely to achieve it. Just that manifestation, I guess. Um, and I know that Rachel's quite good at this, um, <laughs> at writing down goals, but I did it for the first time at the beginning of this year. And it's just been incredible to see how focused I've stayed on those goals, despite all of the challenges through 2020. So I think that's definitely something I'm going to take into 2021 and maybe, maybe other people should give it a bit of a crack. Mm, it's the, it's the commitment of putting it to paper. It's in writing. Yeah, it's makes real. It more formal. And even better, you could uh, laminate it, put it on your wall in the shower. <laughs> Which is what some people do. They do, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I dare say most countries have something similar to the Public Public Relations Institute of Australia, um, which is essentially a national industry body providing professional support and recognition to PR practitioners. Can you give us some background on Young Guns, which the two of you are co-chairs of, and give us some understanding of how that differs to the PRIA and how those experiences came about for being part of it? So... As you said, PRI is the national body and it represents individuals and consultancies across all levels, whereas the PRIA New South Wales Young Guns Committee, we are a dedicated subcommittee of PRIA and we focus on the emerging talent category, so the young up-and-comers in PR and communications. I think the important distinction is that the Young Guns Committee is a committee that's kind of informing some of the PRA's activities so um, there's no membership of Young Guns we are just like a committee that's informing PREA activities to that target audience and so really the focus of the New South Wales Young Guns is just providing a vital link to industry for um, students new grads and people in the first few years of their career Um, I know from a personal perspective I feel that a lot of the opportunities that I had going through university and just after I kind of went looking for them myself Um, and so for me this is a bit of a passion project in the sense that I really want to make sure that I'm making a difference to awareness and knowledge and um, events and opportunities that are kind of out there for people in that at that stage of their career Uh, we welcome everyone to our events Mm -hmm. um, but they are events that are run by uh, the PRIA. So, you know, there sometimes membership does kind of come into play there. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the PRIA obviously has a member's discount for some of the events. Most of our events are free because we are kind of thinking about that student new grad um, audience. But um, yeah, it, it's more of like a... It's more about identifying opportunities that you believe emerging practitioners would benefit from and helping steer the, uh, the PRIA into making sure they facilitate that. Yeah, that's right. Meaningful support, professional development opportunities, networking events, mentoring programs, workshops. It's We organise a range of different opportunities and it's targeted specifically for those young up-and-comers. Yeah. Mm. And I think a big focus for us, as I said, is just connecting with students and new graduates. I think the industry can do so much more to kind of bridge the gap between academia 
and industry. Yeah. Um, and also just to help support um, that professional development at that level. I feel like I've heard so many times people say, oh, new graduates, they can't write a media release or they don't yeah. have the skills that are required. And I think it's about looking at how as an industry we can inform education of our future talent it's the next generation how can we support them exactly yeah um and finding those opportunities to to do that i think this year more than ever it's really important that the the graduates that are about to come out of university do find that link to industry and that's pr especially but all industries i think new graduates are going to need that extra support and you know we'll aim to do what we can as on behalf of Priya to bring those students in and get them involved from the beginning of their career. Mm. So if people want to get involved with some of the events and stuff that you guys are helping to coordinate, um, what's the best way of finding them? I think the first way is to connect with the PRA. Um, That might be a membership or it might just be connecting on social media. We do have a Facebook group called... um, PR Young Guns, which it's open to anybody in Australia at any level of their career, but we do have a focus on connecting, you know, emerging practitioners with the industry. And what we're trying to do there is really build a community of sharing and um, giving advice and, you know, cultivating those that sense of community and network. Um, and so it, it's a place where people kind of share uh, events. Some of those are run by uh, our Young Guns Committee, um, but some of them are, are different. It also is just asking for advice. Like we get questions all the time, like, hey, guys, what media monitoring service do you use? Like, what do you think of that? Or, hey, I'm trying to pitch to Sky News. Like, who might be the the best program or contact to get in touch with there for this this story that I'm doing. It's not familiar to me. Um, so yeah, just building that sort of a, a community. And then we have like fun things too. We have a, um, meme Monday. Meme. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, we have a meme Monday. So every Monday there's like uh, a, a fun meme relevant yep. to the industry. Yep. Um, so just a bit of a laugh kind of kick off your week on a, on a good note. And then we also have the feel good Friday. There you go. She's, <laughs> she's announcing all of them. Feel um, good Friday. So we have yes. feel good Friday as well, which is an opportunity for people to, to kind of share their wins for the week. Um, and where they don't share, we do hope that it kind of just acts as a trigger for people to reflect on their week and some of the great work they've done, especially if it's been a bit hectic Mm. so it's a real insider group you know get connected great way to meet new people find out about events and know what's happening and share wins Mm. yeah Yeah. but Priya is also a great resource the PRA is a a great resource in terms of finding out about upcoming events and I think also um, it's been an interesting year because where our committee is very much focused on developing opportunities for um, emerging practitioners in New South Wales but with the weird year that it's been, obviously everything's kind of gone virtual and it's been great to see how different states can now access, you know, the the events or workshops that our sort of counterparts in other states are, are doing. So, um, again, Priya is kind of a great little hub um, for all that information about those kinds of events. Mm. And it does cost to be part of Priya, but... Um, people should also be chatting to wherever they work because they may well be more than happy to pay for that membership cost on behalf of them. Um, and I think that they, 
Um, they offer like I think corporate rates as well, isn't it? If, if you've got all certain numbers of staff, there's is that yeah, right? there's there's a wide range of membership, yeah, membership. options. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a free student membership. So it's valid for twelve months, uh, valued at ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Then there's also there's an introductory membership for people just starting out, and then there, it goes up from there. So there's associate under three years experience, professional over five years, and then there's all as you said all the um, RCG. Yeah, mm. the registered Shouldn't consultancies it. group. So right. um, if your agency is uh, a registered consultancy, um, you might be eligible um, for membership under that. And I, I, I believe that that's at no extra cost to the agency mm-hmm. and at no cost to you. It's yep. just that if the agency is already paying for that, um, that membership, that you kind of your name um, goes underneath that. And being part of a PRIA gives you access to certain events, some of which may be free, but others may be uh, a ticketed event but will be discounted for the PRIA members versus non-members. Um, what are the other opportunities available to being part of, uh, of an, a PR organisation like that? I think there are a few. So I think just talking um, about professional development and training, uh, there are a number of events like that and of course members have discounted access to those um, and you can very quickly kind of drive that value of your membership by attending a number of those it's also about uh, community and being connected to peers to people you might view as leaders um, and I also think it's about recognition too so the PRIA has the golden target awards um, but there are also opportunities for people, just as Rachel and I volunteer our time. There are other opportunities. Um, for... And sorry, just to interrupt you there. For those that don't know about the Golden Target Awards, whether they're overseas or just haven't come across them before, can you give a little bit more of a background on what those awards are? Yeah, so the Golden Target Awards are the annual um, awards that are hosted by the Public Relations Institute of Australia. So I think it's broken down in different categories. So it's basically about submitting work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it is. And they're broken down into, I think there might be one for like um, boutique PR agencies. So there's yeah, agency yeah. sizes, there's... plus there's also things that are like, and I'm going to make it up now, but best social media campaign or best, yes. they're kind of different yeah. categories. So there's, yeah, there's project yeah. awards, there's agency awards, and then there's also individual mm-hmm. awards. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there are a number of different categories and it's really an opportunity to showcase your work and um your hard work over the course mm. of the year and be recognized for yeah. it and be recognized for even it. to be a finalist is because they're judged by a, a panel and that panel comes from all different walks of pr and communication so they may be in-house they may be agency um but the people that are um obviously very experienced some of our best yeah. pr leaders yeah mm. no definitely and i yeah I, as i said it's it's really about coming together to celebrate the great work of others and your own hard work and just look for opportunities to showcase that. And I think it's a great learning opportunity as well. You know, um, once the winners of this year's golden target awards, cause I think it's coming up at, um, in, in mid, mid November. Mm-hmm. Um, once those winners are announced, like I want to hear about those campaigns. I want to learn about what they did and how they drove those, um, outcomes for their clients. Cause I think we can all learn from that, those, those case studies and, um, that, that sort of broader network? I imagine like any committee, it's it's quite small in size. Um, yeah. If people are interested in it, 
Yeah. How do they go about it? Do they, I mean, obviously it's not something you can just, not everyone can be part of because it's a small committee. So yeah. what's the best way to show thing, your interest? First thing, connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, search me or search Rachel, just connect and let us know that you're interested. Um, at the moment, we've got a committee of 10 strong and that's that's really kind of around the size that we're, we're trying to keep it just to make sure that everybody's engaged. And um, But we do have enough support to kind of bring these events and opportunities to life. But you never know in the future, there may be some opportunities. So we'd say definitely connect with us and you never know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I say the same thing when people are applying for jobs. Don't just apply for jobs because you see a job advertised. Identify an opportunity, approach them. Nothing may come up. For all you know, something changes next week. And if it's an agency, they've just got an extra seven clients. And now they need to hire two or three more people. And, and your engaged, compelling cover letter email is sitting right at the top of the pile. Totally. And if you're super energized and you have ideas about what these sorts of events or workshop shops should look like, just give us a shout anyway, even if it's not a, a longer term commitment you mm-hmm. want to make. I think Rachel and I both really, the co-chairs believe in co-creation. You know, <laughs> we, we want to make sure that we are listening to our audience and we're giving them opportunities to provide feedback and insights on what would be most valuable to them. Um, so if, if someone's particularly excited or, um, has some thoughts, we always love to hear them, whether that's on the Facebook page or connecting with us directly, always keen to hear it. Thank you so much for your time today, ladies. I think there's so many different, um, tips and some advice and some guidance there that will be of of real value to our listeners. So thank you for sharing your time. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast via iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I'd love if you could spend one minute giving the PR Pod a quick rating and review. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.